This podcast is brought to you by the Village of Bedford Park, your home for business. Over 450 businesses strong and growing with a safe, reliable Lake Michigan water supply. Visit VOBPBiz.com and bring your business home to the Village of Bedford Park. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Now, the WBBM Noon Business Hour. It's 12.03 and welcome to the Tuesday edition of the Noon Business Hour presented by the Village of Bedford Park. I'm Jim Goodis. The turnaround effort at sports apparel maker Under Armour is bringing results, and we'll cover that in our next segment. Right now, the report on orders for factory goods is out today, while the lack of workers in offices still impacting local economies. And to talk about all that, we're joined by Matt Matigan, the CEO of Blue World Asset Managers in Chicago. So first, Matt, tell us about your thoughts on the factory goods orders. Uh, factory orders, uh, they... Uh, like you guys said, exceeded expectations. And the more impressive thing is they did so on all three measures. The headline was up 1.4, but then the the X-Transport and some of the other detail below also came in above expectations. Now, factory orders, uh, in particular, the durable goods orders portion of it, uh, we we kind of have to look at the trends in that uh, more carefully than uh, than usual, just because it tends to be a very volatile report. But this one was very very good. The fact that you've got rises in all three areas is that a promising sign about recovery and a healthy recovery, that sort of thing. It certainly is, and when you hold it up against the other reports coming out, in particular. The regional Fed reports on manufacturing as well as the inventory to sales ratios on business and wholesale inventories, all of those are pointing to continued demand. Let's switch to another factor in our post-pandemic, or as we're still continuing with the pandemic, but as we recover from it, and that is the fact that many workers are still not at the office. They're still working remotely. Any concerns about that? Oh, there are plenty of concerns. Uh, We touched on this a few days ago, too, that everybody expected that, you know, we'd be back to normal within three to six months uh, at this time, uh, you know, going back a year, year and a half. But this extended out further than we thought. So I'd like everybody to keep the perspective that no matter how good the economy is, no matter how good times are, there are always risks to the economy. Uh, And those risks are are well-known to everybody and they're well-managed. And one of those uh, is getting people back to work. And right now, this is a scenario that we really haven't been through before. But remember, managers, entrepreneurs, these people are problem solvers. Everybody's aware of these things. And, uh, you know, things are being done to try to manage it. But is it a concern? Absolutely, it's a concern. That's why we're working so hard on it. And what do we need to do here? What what has to happen here? And how long can we continue with a significant proportion of the traditional office workforce 
working remotely uh, before we really start to run into some major issues? Or are we already? Well, we are starting to see some deterioration. One of, um, one of my big concerns is the significant amount of debt that these, these major REITs that carry office space are carrying. They, they, they have interest payments coming due every month, whether they have tenants in those spots or not. Now, when the tenants aren't in those downtown areas, you know, where managers are weighing the cost savings of not paying the rent against the drop in productivity, but then in the meantime, your small and mid-sized companies, your laundromats, your uh, local restaurants, your, your other downtown vendors are all suffering because these downtowns are not bringing the people back in uh, as once they were. Matt Matigi, I'm the CEO of Blue World Asset Managers in Chicago, and you can find his blog at blueworldam.com. Coming up, Under Arbor makes a strong comeback as we take a look at back-to-school retail. Shares of athletic apparel and footwear under maker Under Armour are rising on the strength of a solid second quarter. And let's take a closer look at Under Armour and back-to-school retail with the help of Ken Perkins, the research analyst at Retail Metrics out of Swampscott, Massachusetts. So uh, I guess uh, Under Armour is uh, sort of on the over-under and doing well in terms of its uh, second quarter. What's going on with them? Yeah, I like that. I like the way you put that. Uh, very, very strong quarter for Under Armour. Real nice bounce back in line with what we've seen from a number of the brands and uh, retail uh, and apparel retailers so far uh, this year. I mean, they, they really blew away expectations for uh, for revenues. They were up 45% year over year. Uh, operating income went positive this year to $110 million after losing $140 due to COVID-related closures and shutdowns last year. And they really were able to grow that key market for them, which is the North American market. Sales were up 101%. Uh, and I think one of the key things, too, for them, they, they had a much more successful quarter selling at full price. You know, they've really ma- they're really making a conscious effort to sort of wean themselves off of selling in the discounters and department stores and sell more through their own stores and directly online, uh, which improves their full price selling and profit margins. So some real uh, real positives here for the group uh, as a whole. Is that unique for Under Armour or are other retailers seeing the same thing where for various reasons, it seems lately that a lot of things that we would buy and maybe we would expect to buy at a discount were not these days. We're pretty much paying full price or even more in some cases. That, that's correct, you know, and that's for a variety of factors. There's a lot of money in the system. Consumers have you know, received a number of stimulus checks this year. Uh, the economy's reopened. Wages have been rising for, for many. Uh, and then you've got supply chain shortages, you know, across the spectrum from chips to apparel to sneakers to backpacks, you know, which is going to impact the back-to-school selling season. So, you know, there's definitely more sell, uh, full-price selling going on out there, and inventories across most of retailers are relatively low compared to where they've been historically. So uh, that also helps them from having to put things on sale too much. So what does this say for the overall back-to-school market? Is, is, it, is it looking really good for retailers? Is there any other area that might be particularly strong and any that maybe aren't doing as well as you might hope? Yeah, I mean, I think the strong are going to get stronger here during this back-to-school shopping season, and that means Amazon, that means Target, means Walmart. 
uh, in particular. Uh, they're the th- three of the biggest players here that are likely to benefit. But I think overall it should be good across the board. You know, Deloitte came out with a survey suggesting that consumers expect to increase spending 16% this year. The NRF is, re- you know, the National Retail Federation is projecting record both back to school and back to college sales. Uh, there's been a lot of pent-up demand for co- you know, school supplies with so much of this country going uh, and on, online and remote learning last year. And then you've got this unusual situation this year where, where you've basically got two first-year classes or freshman classes coming into dorms uh, that are going to need to outfit those dorms and, and, and buy laptops and computers and electronic gear as they go back to college. So there should be a lot of spending taking place. And then lastly, you, you've got the child tax care child care tax credits payments that started July 15th, which are coming into the system and consumers have more cash in their, in their uh, wallets and purses to spend as well. That's Ken Perkins, the research analyst for retail metrics out of Swampscott, Massachusetts. Thanks, Ken. Up next, checking in on a popular Chicago boutique that serves teens and tweens. Cashing in with conversation. The WBBM noon business hour continues. Small businesses have been put to the test by the pandemic, and let's see how a local boutique we've previously featured on the Dune Business Hour is doing. And joining us on the McGrath-Lexus business line is Roy Surday, the owner of Peaches at 5915 South Archer in Chicago. So let me ask you this first, Roy, are things really sweet these days at Peaches? Are they sweet? Well, they're better than they were last year. We can, we can attest to that. But um, are they sweet? We're hoping to, we're hoping everything's coming back to normal. So we're hoping for a good homecoming season coming up. Well, tell me what what would make your recovery the sweetest. What are you most looking forward to, and what are some reasons for you to be optimistic? Right. Well, the schools have to go back to school. So to be, we're optimistic because most of the schools, um, I mean, they have gone back to school. There still are some schools, or we're hearing uh, stories of. Some of the unions, especially in Chicago, are still trying to uh, not go back to school. But in order for us to have a normal homecoming season, schools have to go back. And I think that's what's going to happen this year. Uh, you know, there's a bit of a spike, I guess, out there right now. But I think um, the way we're looking at it, it looks like it's going to go back to some normalcy. So give us some tips uh, about back-to-school shopping, about uh, you know homecoming shopping, that sort of thing. And in particular, the best way to approach things, whether you're stopping in at Peaches or you're checking things out at peachesboutique.com? So first of all, we have, uh, we're, we're shopping right now for prom. Our market for prom, uh, our buyers are there now. But our homecoming has been purchased, and we are going to have a full homecoming line of inventory available. And the girls are starting to shop for homecoming. So my suggestion is, um, you, you know, we have the inventory now to go out and shop. Um, go on our website, peachesboutique.com. We are the largest vendor in the country of color, which is uh, stuff for prom, uh, homecomings, women going to weddings, you know, Kinsonetta we're big on. So, uh, uh, and, and homecomings are starting now because the kids are getting ready to go back to school and the girls are starting to look online and they see the, uh, uh, the merchandise and the manufacturers, what they're offering. So now's the time to shop. Anything unusual or different or just unique in our current situation that, uh, Maybe parents who've had older kids who are now, you know, maybe going through younger ones or even first-time shoppers in terms of buying things that uh, are just unique or different because of the situation we're currently in. 
Well, I mean, there's the uniqueness would be because of uh, the mask, you know, kids wearing masks, or I think the schools might uh, uh, implement a mask mandate still. We are offering when they purchase a dress or prom or homecoming, if there's enough material left when we hem it, we're making masks to mask the dresses. Um, we make ties for the for their dates. So uh, the difference would be is, you know, two years ago when prom was normal, you know, masks were not even heard of. And now we're at least uh, offering masks made with things. So there is a little bit, you know, there are things that are changed. Um, and, and But I think that, um, you know, it's been two years since there's been a real prom for these poor kids. And I think this year uh, these kids deserve a prom, and I think they're going to, they're going to find that uh, it's going to be an excitable year. That would be great news. Roy Serday, the owner of Peaches at 5915 South Archer in Chicago. Again, you can check out Peaches' website at peachesboutique.com. The WBBM Noon Business Hour continues. Good afternoon. I'm Jim Goodis. These are the top stories on News Radio WBBM. An investigation into New York Governor Andrew Cuomo finds that he sexually harassed employees of state government. A special report from CBS News is next. In Travel Tuesday, there's been a series of problems on several airlines over the past day. We'll learn how to best deal with such issues. Credit card points can help pay for your next trip. We'll get tips on how you can speed up your rewards. Right now on Wall Street, the Dow is ahead by 202 points. The S&P 500 ahead by 25. The Nasdaq is up 43 points. It's 1231. CBS News special report. New York Governor Andrew Cuomo is again denying sexual harassment claims after a damning report came out this morning from the state's attorney general. I want you to know directly from me that I never touched anyone inappropriately or made inappropriate sexual advances. In a pre-recorded message, Cuomo says he kisses and hugs everyone because that's what his parents taught him to do. New York Attorney General Letitia James's report found Cuomo allegedly sexually harassed multiple current and former staffers, as well as women who did not work for his administration. These interviews and pieces of evidence reveal a deeply disturbing yet clear picture. Governor Cuomo sexually harassed current and former state employees in violation of both federal and state laws. The nearly five-month investigation involved interviews with 179 people. CBS News Special Report. I'm Matt Piper. A reminder, Odyssey is your new home for all the audio that matters to you. Download the Odyssey app, A-U-D-A-C-Y, to listen to WBBM anytime. The Noon Business Hour is presented by the Village of Bedford Park, it's 12:32. Compounding your interest with an economy of words. This is the WBBM Noon Business Hour. Market's a little higher today and we're joined by Paul Nolte, the portfolio manager at Kingsview Asset Management in Chicago. So, Paul, what's going on on Wall Street today? Good afternoon. Nice to be with you. It's a quiet day and the market's been kind of rising at a very slow steady pace. Uh, after a little bit of a decline this morning. And I think investors are looking around and, and taking an assessment that interest rates are down a little bit. Uh, earnings season is winding down, and it's been a very good earnings season. And I think there's some anticipation that Friday's jobs report estimated about $800 million in new jobs. is uh, The risk there might be on the upside as opposed to the downside. So what about banks and industrials? They seem to be helping things out today. 
They are, and that kind of flies in the face of, again, lower interest rates for the uh, financials. But certainly in the industrials, I guess you can call it the reopening trade. So as those types of companies, the financials and industrials, uh, do well uh, relative to technology stocks, investors are more encouraged about the economy picking up as everybody gets back to work and the economy gets regains its footing. On those days where we get a little bit bad news on the virus, et cetera, technology stocks do very well. The financials and the material, basic material stocks tend to sell off, and that's a little bit more of a step backward, if you will, from an economic perspective. How concerned should we be about travel stocks right now? And it seemed like things were going well for them. We were starting to rebound, and, and now some concerns. There is. I mean, if you look last weekend, we had 2.2 million people go through TSA checkpoints around the United States, and that's the highest that we've seen since February of last year. So it's not going to be a straight line recovery. We're getting those jagged moves. Uh, but we think over time, uh, we're going to see a lot of those travel stocks come back and, and do well. A lot of them have gone up uh, more than double, triple from the bottom a year ago. So now it's more a story of what's next than it is, uh, you know, how much uh, traveling is, is going on today. What do you like right now other than what we've talked about and what has you concerned that we haven't talked about? Yeah, the, the international market, I think, is, is still uh, very intriguing to us. Uh, the dollars remain kind of strong here, um, but the international markets, the international economies are behind the U.S. as it, it relates to uh, the virus. And we think there's going to be a much bigger pickup there than what we're going to experience in the U.S. And a lot of those markets are very inexpensive here. The biggest concern that we have for the United States, declining interest rate environment and the yield curve that is getting a little bit flatter as we're going on through time. And typically that's something that, that starts to raise our eyebrows, not necessarily for the immediate future, but maybe six to nine months away were that trend to continue. What advice would you be giving your portfolio customers right now about the best way to approach uh, all of these different factors as we move forward? Yeah, I, I think you can't get too excited about uh, any one thing. We have not had a 5% decline in the market since Halloween of last year. So it's been a long time since we've had even just a garden variety uh, decline in the market. And we see the possibility does exist that we'll see a 5 to 10% decline in the market. And that doesn't necessarily derail the market uh, from ever making new highs. But because we've gone so long without that decline, uh, you know, a, a thousand point decline in the Dow over a few weeks is not to be unexpected and maybe even welcomed to allow you to buy uh, some good companies at, at lower prices. Paul Nolte, the portfolio manager at Kingsview Asset Management here in Chicago. Thanks, Paul. Appreciate your insight as always. Up next on Travel Tuesday, what to do when you get caught up in a delay or problem at the airline ticket counter. The WBBM Noon Business Hour continues. It's Travel Tuesday, sponsored by DiscoverPeoria.com. And American Spirit and Southwest Airlines have been dealing with cancellations and delays due to storms and staffing issues. What can passengers do when these issues crop up? Joining us on the McGrath-Lexus business line is Joe Schwederman, the professor of public services and director of the Chaddock Institute at DePaul here in Chicago. So, Joe, first of all, why are we seeing some more of these issues, especially over the weekend? We saw some more flight cancellations, that sort of thing. What's leading to these problems? 
You know, you, you captured it right. It's really three airlines that are in, uh, you know, ground zero here. It's American Spirit and Southwest. And, and uh, we know the, uh, you know, the most immediate thing is severe storms in Dallas. And when that happens, both American and Southwest are in trouble. American today, uh, first part has canceled 9% of its flights. It's almost 10% of its uh, U.S. network. Uh Southwest uh, is mostly delayed, but it's astounding uh, today that uh, over a quarter of Southwest flights throughout the whole country are delayed because of that that Texas bottleneck. But, you know, uh, this is just uh, one of several factors, and staff shortages are are adding salt to the wounds. So what's the best advice for passengers when you run into one of these situations, especially now with things not quite as they were before all of this? You know, it's really... uh, uh, an interesting thing because airlines, if it's due to staff shortages, due to technology personnel, yeah, they're entitled to, uh, required to put you up overnight if you get stuck uh, to make accommodations with meal vouchers and things like that. Uh, that doesn't happen if it's related to weather. And so airlines, of course, uh, have the best uh, legal teams imaginable to make sure uh, <laughs> when there's weather a part of the factor that uh, those requirements are off. So I fear a lot of passengers are stuck here. But really, we're talking about two things. One, aggressively stand by for flights. Uh, in fact, there you can use Rule 240 to be put on a different airline to stand by if you like. That's uh, that's a big strategy. Joe, just in general, what's, what's the prospect for airlines? It obviously had been looking good as travel was rebounding, but now we have some new concerns involving uh, the future of the pandemic and the Delta variant and that sort of thing. How are things looking right now for the travel industry, and in particular, the airline industry? Well, mostly we're pretty uh, uh, sanguine right now that uh, uh, the demand for still looks really good throughout the U.S. These uh, shutdowns haven't affected too much. Now, I will say that uh, the business travel recovery that we all are appointed to Labor Day, so that's when it's going to happen. Uh, that's looking a little less clear now. We had a couple conventions cancel. Of course, corporations uh, are less apt to send people back to the office with, uh, you know, with the second round. And international is just in a really terrible spot. And uh, I have to say that uh, we're looking really at next spring before uh, Transatlantic comes back, you know, in a big way. That's Joe Schwederman, the professor of public services and director of the Chaddock Institute at DePaul. As always, Joe, appreciate your insight. Join us at this time tomorrow for Personal Finance Wednesday. And still to come, supercharging your credit card travel rewards. Money Talks as the WBBM Noon Business Hour continues. Credit card rewards can help pay for your next vacation, but how do you use them to get the maximum benefit? And we're joined by Ted Rossman, the industry analyst at creditcards.com out of New York. So, Ted, how do you get credit card rewards to help you pay for that next vacation and help cut the cost of that wonderful trip or maybe give you a a little more flexibility to do a little bit more? As much as people love travel cards, and there is a lot to like, I would actually suggest that the best card for most people is a no annual fee 2% cashback card. Something like City Double Cash or the new Wells Fargo Active Cash card Cashback is so flexible, and you could use it for anything. You could use it to defray a future flight or hotel cost or just about anything else. Now, that said, there are a lot of attractive travel cards, but they do require more work. They do often charge annual fees, and they can be more complicated. But you have to know yourself, but I would include those 2% cashback cards in the discussion. 
What are some of the best ways to make the right decision about the credit card perks that make sense, whether it be cash back or low rates or something else? It, it really, I guess, it depends on what your situation is and how you plan to use the card, right? It's important to know yourself. If you ever carry a balance, prioritize your interest rate because the average credit card charges 16%. So if you could get a 0% balance transfer card or a low rate card, that makes sense if you have debt. Now, if you're able to pay your bills in full, then you want to think about what you want to get from your rewards. Is it travel or is it cash back? You want to think about how you spend money because some cards prioritize different categories like groceries, gas, dining, things like that. I would also consider how much work you want to put in. Do you want to just get one card and keep it really simple? Or are you willing to mix and match? And then finally, how much work do you want to put in on the redemption side? Do you have the time and the flexibility to research all the best travel deals? Or do you just want to get a solid, flat 2% cash back on everything? What's the biggest mistake that people are making as they make these decisions and look around? Is, is there any advice that you would have that maybe people overlook or just fail to do or, or don't realize they're doing or not doing? I think the biggest one is probably chasing rewards when you're carrying a balance, because this average interest rate of 16% far outweighs the rewards you might get, whether it's one or two or 3% cash back or something equivalent in travel miles. Interest takes a much bigger bite. So you definitely want to prioritize that. Beyond that, I would also say that Sometimes people don't think enough about how they spend their money because you really want to think about your maximum spending categories need to be the ones that you prioritize on your credit cards. So if you spend a lot on groceries or dining or gas or travel, definitely make sure that your top category or your top two categories are ones that you're really maximizing. That's Ted Rossman, industry analyst with CreditCards.com out of New York. Thanks, Ted. If you missed any part of today's Noon Business Hour, we'll have the replay podcast available shortly at WBBMNewsRadio.com and the Odyssey app. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.